Today's episode is brought to you by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around the house. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. Man, we are saving people money left and right over at SaveWithConrad.com, but don't take my word for it. Check out ConradReviews.com. Here's what you'll find over there. A five-star review from Joseph in Alexandria, Virginia. He says, once again, Conrad and his team hit a home run. Jimmy, as always, kept in constant communication during the whole process, gave us options, and made the process smooth and easy. Who knew listening to a wrestling podcast would help me out financially? And here's another five-star review from Ian F. in Pottstown, PA. Always fast to respond to any questions I had, and boy, did I have a lot. Thankfully, they cut two years off my old mortgage and saved $80,000 over the life of the loan. $80,000? Are you kidding me? He's a wrestling fan who listens to this podcast just like you and his family, and his family gets to keep an extra $80,000. Now, without calling SaveWithConrad.com, they would have worked for that money, paid taxes on it, and then just given it away. Don't do that. Keep more of your own money. Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. And I'm talking to you if you're in a 30-year loan, if you've got a second mortgage, if you've got credit card debt, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It really is a matter of how much rates are at near historic lows. And there's never been a better time to refinance than right now. Your house is worth more than ever. You have more equity than ever before. And what does that represent to you? The biggest opportunity to change your life financially once and for all. You can get the best rate you've ever had on a mortgage. You can get rid of all your credit card debt, saving five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And here's the deal guys. Once you owe this money, it's up to you how you pay it back. Doesn't it make sense to pay it back at the cheapest rate possible and the greatest tax deduction possible? This is a once in a lifetime opportunity and you need to take advantage of it. You can even pull some cash out to do some remodeling around the house. What if some of that equity you've got, you used to put a pool in the back or maybe add a new office or even better, a man cave. Come on, get you some of that. It sounds too good to be true, but we can do it for you too right now. And again, you don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. Punch it in. It's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Check it out. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. So a lot of us have been through this, you know, finding that person you want to spend the rest of your life with is great, but you hate all the pressure of what's next. Of course, there's all the engagement talk, but then there's the pressure from actually shopping for a ring, hassle, haggling, finding a store to trust, trying to figure out the four C's discounts, sales, coupons, styles, and all the other nonsense. But at least those are all fantastic reasons to put off getting engaged. And that's why guys really hate Steven Singer. He takes away every excuse in the book about not buying the ring. And he makes it so easy. I hate Steven Singer. Steven Singer is a Philly jeweler that has been making it so easy to buy real diamonds for over four decades. He specializes in diamond engagement rings and has a staff of real experts, real jewelers, real people that are ready to help you find the perfect ring or gift at the perfect price. There's no call center. There's no sales. There's no haggling. There's no coupon codes. There's no discounts, just the best price possible. 
guaranteeing the best value every single day. Check Steven out at the other corner of eighth and Walnut and Philly. And by the way, they're open now. You don't need an appointment. Just stop by or online at I hate always with fast and free shipping. That's I hate Steven singer.com. Or if you're in the area, go check him out anytime at the other corner of eighth and Walnut and Philly. As for me here in Alabama, I'm going to check out. I hate Steven singer.com and you should too. Welcome to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. This is Paul Bromwell filling in for Conrad this week. And don't worry, for those of you that checked out last week's show, he didn't fall out of his father-in-law's boat, right, Eric? Well, I haven't heard that. Oh, no. You know, I, I have this vision of them standing on the back of the boat and doing a, a chop contest and Ric Flair winding up and doing the woo and the chop and... Conrad going ass over tea kettle over the boat. So until I get verification that it didn't happen, I'm going to hold on to the thought that, well, maybe it did. Could you imagine the call into the Coast Guard if that were to occur? You know, man (laughs) overboard. Holy smokes. Oh, I'm sure they had a lot of fun. I I, I hope so. Conrad certainly deserves it. Absolutely correct. You know, if anybody deserves a little time off, it's Conrad with so many podcasts, bonus episodes. Uh, etc. The ad-free shows community that he's helped build. Really, it's it's all his brainchild. And if anybody deserves some vacation time, it's him. Speaking of enjoyable time, though, Eric, I was listening to last week's show, and you were having a big time. Fourth of July, Mrs. B's birthday. How did that all end up? She ran you a beer out to your your studio here in the pouring rain. I mean, how did that all go for you? Was it a good time or what? I had a blast. Mrs. B had words for me when, uh, when when I got back into the house after recording that podcast. You know, how dare you call me and ask me to bring you? I a love beer, it. She did it. You know, hats off to her. But yeah, we had a blast. We always do over the Fourth of July. It's a special weekend for us. Obviously, the it's Independence Day, which is a special day for you know, hopefully everybody. The country, yeah. Um, but it's also my wife's birthday, Mrs. B's birthday. And my father passed on the 4th of July back in 2000. So it's kind of an excuse to have a little bit of a family reunion, informal family reunion. Um, And that, and we just have a lot of friends and family that like to come out and hang out in the mountains here in Wyoming and visit Yellowstone and all that. So we end up, uh, we're fairly busy over the 4th, but it was, it was great. I'm glad I saw some pictures on social media of the parade and some different things that you guys took advantage of as I'm sure a lot of the fans here, 83 weeks, and it just looked like a relaxing time to be with family. So that's good for you to recharge and and have some family time. Yeah, it was a blast. Although there was no recharging going on. I, 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 I burned off more than I recharged. So, so <laughs> you know, we were, we were busy. It's taken me a couple of days just to get back into my rhythm. Because uh. I get all out of sync over the fourth. Trust me. <laughs> oh boy. Well, we heard you were a few beers deep in last week's show. So 
We understand lots of fun stuff going on, but let's talk about just coffee today. Coffee. Okay. No, no, uh, five or six deep. And I have my favorite cup, which is, I forgot the question. So I'm forewarning you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on my second pot of coffee. Just started the second pot and, uh, I'm hydrating where you're supposed to. I'll do my best not to forget your questions, but don't be, uh, don't take it personally. If I do, Conrad's learned to live with it. No problem. I'm all good. Uh, another big happening this past week, Eric, and we uh, got to record your radio show for the heat. And it was the 25th anniversary of the NWO, which my goodness has picked up some serious steam from WWE all over social media, but uh big celebration for the 25 years, the NWO. Yeah, it, it was. And I, you know, I, <laughs> On July, the morning of July 7th, I woke up like every other morning and I just, you know, I didn't really think of it. I didn't really think about it being the actual day of the 25th anniversary because we've been talking about NWO week as is WWE on, on the Peacock platform. Um, So we've been talking about it so much that I actually forgot which day it happened on. So I woke up in the morning and my social media feed was just blowing up and I went, wow, that was, that was pretty cool. I should, uh, I should pick up the phone and call Hulk and sing him happy birthday or something, but I never got around to that. Yeah. Well, it's a big deal. Uh, Kevin Nash is going to be actually as the straps on Monday morning was on stone cold's broken skull sessions. So they had that Instagram and social media had all these WWE superstars posing in NWO and outsider t-shirts that's all over. So they're really, uh, you know, maximizing what you created, my friend, what you, the brainchild of Eric Bischoff. Yeah, what they're really doing is selling merchandise. Yeah, let's be honest. That's be that's what they're doing. Right. And ha- more power to them, man. It just tickles me pretty pink to, to know that there's still uh, train car fulls of NWO merchandise being distributed all over the world. And uh, I'm, I'm happy for everybody involved. Listen, one more thing I wanted to talk about before we jump into this. We're doing a watch along today. It is July 15th, 1996. Uh, it's season two, episode 27. So for those that want to watch along with us, we'll give you some time to go out and find that. And we're going to kick it off here in a minute, but I wanted to talk about and put over a little bit your radio show. I had myself and Cassio kid were recently able to be a part with of it. And it was a lot of fun, man, for the heat. Uh, that's where people can call in and have direct dialogue with you, uh, every Wednesday night, right? Yeah, we we started out, uh, the original plan was to do eight episodes, and then almost uh, immediately the, the station said, hey, let's do 12 instead, and we, we're going to go ahead and do 12 episodes. I think we have two more left, and then we're going to kind of sit back and, and assess the situation and see where the opportunities are and whether or not it makes sense to try to grow that radio show or to chalk it up as a fun experiment. So. Uh, gotcha. We've got some more to do, but we've got two more episodes to go. I had a blast. You guys were great, by the way. Paul, I'm not saying this to blow smoke, but you're doing a great job. I mean, free did a great job on the radio. You've got that perfect radio voice. Well, you know, it's not too deep and, and smooth to sound artificial, but it's uh it's a very rich radio voice, and you handle you handle the process really well and you're entertaining. So I encourage you to keep uh, pursuing this. Avenue that you're on. And, uh, I was really, I had a blast with you and Cassio. I always have fun talking to Cassio. I don't care if I'm in Huntsville, you know, having some chicken wings at the boot, uh, which is Conrad's favorite place. Yes. Uh, or, or hanging out 
you know, doing a podcast or having him on the radio show. He's just a fun human being. And he's also a genuinely good guy. Like not only is he hilarious, improvisational, you know, he came on last night and his laughter, some people on social don't like it, but man, to me, it's infectious and he's so quick witted. He's got that improv background and he was an absolute, I had the best time with both of you last night. I texted him afterwards and, uh, I was like, Cassio, that was so much fun, man. I'd be game to, you know, do that again with you anytime. And, uh, great guy. Love Cassio. Me too, man. And, and big booty, Judy, and yes. their 20 chickens. I learned all about their 20 chickens. They have 20 chickens. Big booty. Judy's the only engineer in Alabama that's into chickens. And I love chickens. I think they're cool as hell. And I can't wait to go visit, uh, the Mitchell menagerie as Cassio kid calls his uh, right. little farm and uh, hang out with some of his chickens, man. I dig chickens. They're, they're a highly underrated pet. Well, there you go. You heard it from Eric here. First takeaway from this week's show chickens are an underrated pet. So, all right, well, listen, let's get into it. Let's get while we're all here. It is the NWO 25th year celebration. Conrad's taken full advantage advantage of it with you in 83 weeks. We've got some guests, uh, guests already with Scott Hall jumping in. We're doing some watch alongs and that's what we're going to do here today. Eric, we're going to jump into that July 15th episode of Monday Nitro this is the first time Hulk Hogan is seen on WCW TV after the formation of the NWO uh, and his big shocking heel turn at Bash in the Beach. So if you haven't already and you want to follow us, fire up that Peacock machine. That's what we're going to watch it on today. Uh, it is season two. That's how they you know list all their, their episodes here. Season two, episode 27. And Eric, if you're good, I'm going to do a countdown and we'll hit play together. Does that sound all right? Let me find my mouse. Let me find my mouse. My mouse is hiding. No problem. It's all good. Our listeners probably need a second or two anyway to get called up if they're going to do this with us. This oh, there we go. I found my mouse. All right. Adjust my time here because I jumped the gun just a bit. Boom. Hit pause. Okay, dude. I'm ready. All right. We're gonna we're gonna hit play when I say play. So here we go. Three, two, one, play. And we are off, and it's the opening of Monday Nitro. Eric, we talked about this. Actually, uh, you and Conrad were talking about uh, the previous episode of Nitro uh, coming from the Bash at the Beach. And we're back here at Disney MGM. It's Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco on the call. Yeah, I, you know, and the more I listen to Larry, the more I miss Larry as a color commentator. Larry did a great job. He's my idea of of what a color commentator should be. Um, he doesn't call the action. He kind of lets you into the mind of the opponents in the ring and talks about psychology and what they're trying to do and what works and what doesn't work. And from Larry's perspective, what he would do. And that to me is the true color of, of, of a color commentator's uh, contribution to the effort. And I hear a lot of color commentators today that end up doing more play-by-play. -play. It's like having two play-by-play -play people out there. Um, and, and, and it's cool. It works. I'm not being too critical, but it's just not my preference. I love Larry's take on color commentary. And Tony's just, you know, he's Tony, man. He's, he's doing a phenomenal job here. Feels is a better way to feel better. Our premium CBD will keep your head clear and help you feel your best. CBD has been proven to greatly reduce anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. But navigating the world of CBD can feel complicated. At Feels, we look to make the process as simple as possible so you can start feeling better sooner. 
If you're new to CBD, then Fields offers a free CBD hotline to help you guide yourself through this whole discovery process. You want the right information. You need to know if CBD is right for you. And hassle-free membership program from Fields is guaranteed to help you feel your best month after month or your money back. It really is that simple. This is always shipped direct to your doorstep in only a few days. Feels is the new natural, healthy, better way to feel better. What is Feels? It's premium CBD that's delivered directly to your doorstep. What does Feels do? Feels naturally helps reduce that stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. Is it easy to take? You're damn right it is. Place a few drops of Feels under your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. They even have real human support. Remember that hotline I referenced earlier? It's not just recorded messages. They're actually going to help you get the right option for your needs. And they're also going to do this naturally. You see, Feels works naturally to help you feel better. There's no risk of a hangover or addiction. And by joining a membership, you become a part of the Feels community. And you'll get Feels delivered to your door every month. You'll save money on every order, and you can pause or cancel at any time. This has been something that we believe in. We've all been sharing text messages back and forth. We're feeling better thanks to feels. You see, CBD isn't about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel. Stress, anxiety, pain. Feels is here to help you feel better. So why not start feeling better with feels? Become a member today by going to feels.com slash 83 weeks and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash 83 weeks to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. That's feels.com slash 83 weeks, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash 83 weeks. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. He is the consummate pro. He's claiming here that it could be the most shocking moment in WCW tonight. Uh, He seemed to make that promise a lot, didn't he? Well, you know, there's no, um, there's no shortage of hyperbole in the professional wrestling industry. Oops. I'm sorry. Did I say professional wrestling? I should have said sports. Now, fuck it. It's professional wrestling. Um, yeah, there's no shortage of hyperbole and exaggeration amongst those involved in the professional wrestling industry, but same could be said for, I don't know, toilet paper commercials that I watch on television. You know, I mean, everything is kind of like blown out of proportion. You know, you're going to buy a roll of toilet paper. There's only one purpose for it, really. And, uh, you know, they make it sound like, you know, it's the difference between buying a Kia and buying a Mercedes when they're marketing toilet paper. But uh, I go off track. I go. It's okay. <laughs> I could not wait to experience all this. Now, listen, I'm going to play a little bit here so we can hear this. They're covering Hogan interrupting. So here we go. I want to hear a little bit of this commentary. WCW, he is the third man Look in at this. this picture. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Probably the lowest shot ever given to professional wrestling. That man did right there, Hulk Hogan. Let's get everybody out of the dressing room right now and kick his rear end. Unbelievable, brother. You what just have I been saying the all devil. these years? Huh? What have I been saying all these years? Oh, you my, oh my can- God. A career of a lifetime. Right down the drain, kid. 
I hope you love it. Can you, you see just sold your soul to the devil. See those little monsters with the tears rolling down their face right now? We are not going to even acknowledge that three count. Now what happens to us? What happens now to WCW? There was no three count. You know what I, I got from that, Eric, this time around watching it with you? Not, not just that? the Hogan turn. Okay, that happened. But the commentary. They sold that whole thing so well. Heenan. What are we going to do? What's WCW going to do? It, it felt historical in the commentary and the storytelling from those three guys did a great job. Yeah, they did. And, you know, part of that was a large part of that is because you know, you've got two, two of the best out yeah. there in Tony and Bobby. And the other part of it is, you know, nobody was really sure what was going to happen going into this finish. Very few people were, and the announcers weren't, I, I kept them in the dark because I wanted the emotion to be as real and genuine and organic as possible. And that sound like something that had been prepared, you know, six or eight hours before. So it's a work, but you know, what's really interesting, Paul, I got a, uh, something on social media this morning. I got up, started drinking coffee about six, getting ready for this, the show. And I was going through my Twitter feed and somebody sent me a question. I wish I remembered the, the, the Twitter handle of the person that did it because it was a good question. They said, I'm paraphrasing it, but essentially, you know, wouldn't it have made more sense to have Hogan drop the leg on sting mm. as sting was really other than Ric Flair, the face of professional wrestling in WCW. Um, and it may have helped set up the eventual crow transformation in all of the above. I found that to be a really yeah. cool question. And one that I wish somebody would have brought up when we were laying this out, when we were laying the finish out, because I would have had to consider that. Um, going back to sting though, you know, one of the things that was the catalyst for the crow character was of course, you know, in WCW after a couple of months or whatever it was of, of NWO running roughshod, it created so much dissension and, and tension, I should say, in WCW that all of the WCW roster um, was starting to, you know, not trust each other because mm. everybody was turning. And, you know, once Hogan turned, oh, my gosh, who's next? And the NWO is so powerful. So people started looking over the shoulder a little bit. And I think, you know, in the Sting story, um, that the, the fact that Lex Luger and others in WCW were beginning to question Sting, that was what kind of tripped Sting's trigger where he evolved into that Crow character. So we would have maybe lost some of that setup to the Sting story. Right. But man, it may have had an even bigger impact on the audience here as we watch Bash at the Beach had Hogan dropped the leg on Savage. So um, whoever you are, that posted that uh, question to me this morning on social media. Thank you for that. And uh, I'll try to find it and respond in kind. Yeah. And you know what? We got a lot of good questions that came in for this episode, Eric. So what I think I'm going to do as I uh, go through this is I'll keep everyone informed of where we're at on the card here um, and some of the matches. But I think it's important too, be with this being the 25th anniversary, I want to get uh, as many of these fan questions that came in over to you so we can discuss throughout the show. How's that sound? Sure. That sounds great. All right, good. So real quick, we're here. It's fire and ice. It's Scott Norton and ice train. They're in a tag match against the Steiner brothers here. Uh, the Steiners are the number one contenders for the tag titles at this point. The Steiners came down in their traditional Michigan jackets, which, Oh, by the way, friend of the show, Jeff Jewett owns those jackets, displays them proudly in his home. He goes by doodoo trucking.com. I'm sure you've heard Conrad mention him. You've probably met Jeff 
once or twice in the past. Yeah, I, I do believe I have. I do yeah. believe I have. And as we're watching, I want to. I do want to mention something here about Fire and Ice. Sure, uh, they're in there with the Steiner Brothers. I just read a recent interview with Ice Train, uh, Harold Hope, and in that interview, I learned something that I just I didn't know hmm. previously. In that, at this point, I'm going to paraphrase this whole thing, and I hope I don't get it wrong in the process, but. Uh, Ice Train, you know, in, in his interview said, you know, the thing with Scott Norton, didn't, the, the team with Scott Norton didn't go as well as, as it should have. And Ice Train was kind of uh, remorseful about that. He felt bad about that because he felt like he didn't really give it quite the chance that he could have. And there was a little bit of tension between the two of them. You know, chemistry, not, not a personal level. They were two great guys that get along fine. But the chemistry wasn't quite there early on. And I think Harold felt that, you know, perhaps if he would have had a little bit more of an open mind, you know, um, that, that chemistry could have worked a little bit better. And I, you know, for, number one, I love when people kind of reflect back and think about, well, what could I have done better? Right. Instead of, you know, wow, Scott Norton's fault. Scott would have done this or Scott would have done that. It would have worked better. Well, Scott's a great human being. He's a great pro. He's a great guy. And so is Harold. But sometimes even though, you know, you get along and you're two great guys with a lot of talent, if you haven't found that sweet spot when it comes to chemistry, it doesn't connect with the audience. So uh, pats off to uh, Ice Train, a.k.a. Harold Hogue, for uh, doing such a great job on that interview and being a man. That's right. Being accountable to himself. You know what I mean? A lot of times people want to point the finger, but it's, it's another thing to actually take a little bit of accountability and say, what could have I have done better? So a few weeks ago, I uh, took my parents to the beach for their uh, 41st wedding anniversary. And while we were down there, mom started teasing dad that, uh, well, something he said for a lot of years might not be true. He had been saying for a long time, well, my hair will turn gray, but it'll never turn loose. But mom was sort of razzing him saying that she's been finding more and more hair in the shower. I immediately gave dad the pro tip, dude, you gotta try keeps. And by the way, I got so nervous. I got some too. Because two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. And dad was lucky. Dad was in his 60s before it happened. But I'm trying to get a jump start, baby. I don't want to let it happen to me. You see, more than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness. And there are only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss. Check this out. Keeps offers both. Keeps offers a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. They've got convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months. So you don't even have to leave your home. And how about this low cost treatments that start at just $10 per month and keeps even offers the generic versions, discreet packaging. And of course, proven results keeps has more five-star reviews than any of their competitors. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results. So act fast. Don't wait until it's too late. It's called keeps for a reason. Keep the hair you've got right now, bud. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to K E E P S.com slash 83 weeks to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K E E P S.com slash 83 weeks to get your first month for free. That's K E E P S.com slash 83 weeks keeps.com slash 83 weeks. So we're going to a break here real quick. Those are following we're at eight 56, 57 and, and Eric and I discussed, we know we'll be a little bit off just because of internet and how that works, but the match continues on here. Eric, let's get into a, a question or two here because 
like I said, a lot of them came in and I want to make sure we get through all of them as we go through this episode. Uh, Tyler, Tyler writes in, he said, where did the idea of spray painting NWO on everything come from? Well, you know, go back and look at, you know, pop culture back in 96, you know, uh, tagging was kind of a thing, you know, graffiti art was, you know, happened before that, but that was kind of a thing. And, you know, I think tagging with spray paint is a little bit of that, a reflection of kind of what was going on in the communities around the country, you know, with young people and, and, and tagging their territory was, uh, I guess it's a little bit gang related is probably where it all started from. Actually, my dog does the same thing when she wants to mark her territory. She just takes a piss wherever, you know, she wants to let everybody know, okay, this is a corner of my property over here. This is the corner of my property over here. (laughs) And she'll just go out to all four corners of the property and take a piss and hope that all the dogs stay away. Well, people do the same thing. Um, And I think that's, you know, probably where it came from. Yeah, the graffiti deal, right? It's that gang mentality and the graffiti. I get it. Yeah. We're tagging our territory. That's right. So it works on TV if, you know, Kevin Nash would have, you know, decided to take a piss on the belt. You know, that wouldn't work. Not on TV anyway. Yeah. Dogs can get away with some things humans can't. I don't think that's right. You know, know, if I come back, you know, I'm not necessarily believing reincarnation, but if it's, if it happens, I want to come back as a dog. Cause man, you just, just take Uh, a leak anywhere and everybody goes, oh, okay. And you can sleep all day and yeah. It does. That's why they call it a dog's life. Roo, 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 as we watch my buddy. Yeah. Rick Steiner. That's right. The dog face gremlin himself. They're, ta- they're uh, in there again. Listen, uh, Shivani during this match would talk about how sting Flair, savage, the giant, none of them, none of them are at this show. The only WCW star here at this point is Lex Luger. And that's because most of them are in Japan. Correct. I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't do my research, but I'll, I'll go with that. It sounds, sounds viable. That's, that's what I found in my research. So yeah, they were, they were all in Japan at this point. Um, and, and that's why they weren't here. So they must've had, uh, that must've been an interesting trip coming off, you know, bash at the beach and everything that was going on and then, uh, have to go over to Japan. That was, I'm sure that was a fun trip. I love going to Japan, man. I miss it so bad. I just read this morning that, Tokyo Olympics are going right. to be uh, no fans at the Olympics because of the COVID emergency in Japan, which is really interesting, but uh, unfortunate as well. But yeah, I love going to Japan, man. Can't wait to go back. Yeah, no, uh, good. I saw the same thing that you're talking about as far as they're not allowing any fans to the events because of COVID scare. Um, I did see an interesting nugget the other day. Uh, WWE is about to sell some tickets for Madison Square Garden and uh they're going to have to, anybody 16 or older has to prove a vaccination before they're going to allow them into the building for that. Ooh, I wonder if that's a WWE thing or a I state think of it's, I think thing. it's Madison Square Garden. Uh, WWE is encouraging fans to, but Madison, it's a Madison Square Garden deal. See, that's kind of scary to me. I don't like that. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get on a pro or anti-vaccine trip I here. Know. Yeah. But, and... Do you have to prove that you don't have the flu before you go into public? Do you have to prove that you don't have some other potentially transmissible disease before you go on an airplane? What? I don't like this. I don't like this stuff. I don't like this stuff. I love the fact that there's a vaccine out there and it works as well as it does. And people have the right to get it and it's readily available. And in most cases, I think it's still free. I'm sure it is. Yeah. 
Um, but when you start telling people that they have to stick a needle in their arm or else, I think we've crossed the threshold. Well, speaking of uh, crossing the threshold, the uh, Steiner brothers get the win. They cross the threshold out of the ropes. <laughs> they win the match. Meltzer gives it two stars. And uh, we move on with the show. We've got to go to the top of the entrance ramp. It's Big Bubba, Jimmy Hart, and Kevin Sullivan. Kevin Sullivan's Boston accent and then Jimmy's Memphis accent. Ah, that's, yeah, we got to gotta drop in on a little bit of this. You want to hear a little like of right, this? This is the audio tr- car wreck that you can't not look at. Here we go. Master said, you know, Jimmy Hart, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to destroy the four horsemen, we're going to get it done. If it takes money, we've got it. If I have to go out and recruit every professional athlete in the world to put into the dungeon, this is going to be our year. Four horsemen, it's over. All right, the big bubble, we're going to see you in action a little bit later on here tonight. Lex, don't worry about Sting. Don't worry about the outsiders. Don't worry about Hulk Hogan. You better focus all your attentions on Big Bubba Rogers. The commission doctors have already said that you've got a concussion, a detached retina. I'm going to put you to sleep permanently tonight on Monday Nitro. You can count on it, punk. What happened to the Johnny come lately? Well, they were getting in, taking care of our back. I just want to say one thing to Chris Benoit. If anybody saw the pay-per-view, Benoit, you got too personal with me now. I'd say a bathroom is kind of personal. Thank you very much. Something's going on with Fire and Ice. Stay tuned. More Nitro live here from Orlando. Don't go away. It's personal. Gene was so good with those little, yeah, yeah, bad being in the bathroom. That's pretty personal. <laughs> it's personal awesome. with Chris Benoit and Kevin Sullivan. Imagine that. In the bathroom. Yeah. I don't want to know anymore. <laughs> Listen, they, uh, you know, a, a little bit earlier than this, it would have been Great American Bash. They had a match, Benoit and Sullivan, where it ended up in the men's bathroom in Baltimore. It was, uh, you know, all over the place. I was actually in attendance for that. It was the same night you were powerbombed off the stage. So, Did you, you tell me that last night on I, the radio? We, we've talked about it before, but I was there in the arena when you were powerbombed uh, off the stage through oh, wow. the table. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Good, great show. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, you had Kevin Green and, and Mongo against Arn and Rick. Great card. And again, the evolution of the Outsiders. And now we're back here. It's Mean Gene talking to, to Fire and Ice. Where the hell are they in this background here? I'm looking at, it looks, it looks like, it looks like my brother's backyard. <laughs> it does. It's like a shed area. There's a ladder, paint cans. Who knows what's going on back here? Yeah, that, that looks like some kind of a uh, storage area at the Disney MGM studios. We were running out of room to shoot interviews and backstage segments. So, yeah, so it's, uh, it looks like it's the end of fire and ice. Teddy long's trying to keep them together here. You're going to see Norton shove Teddy. Are you excited to see Scott Norton versus ice train at this point, Eric? Uh, I was be honest. No, I know I you are. Okay. I was, but look, it's a different style of match, it is. right? It I is. mean, if you're looking for, you Not know, high flying yeah. aerial action, you're, you're going to be disappointed, but look at the power and the strength and the size of these two guys. And neither one of them are afraid to go. I mean, they'll lay their stuff in and yeah, that's always, it's interesting to watch. It's different. And I love different. Yeah. That's a good point. And I hear you talk about that quite often listening to the shows of what's lacking in today's wrestling, not enough different. And so, uh, I I like it here. Now we have Billy Kidman running out of the entrance. Do you remember who recommended 
Kidman? I don't. I think Kidman came to us uh, initially as we were kind of gearing up for the cruiserweight division. Okay. If my recall is even close to being correct, uh, it is 25 years ago or more, so I'm not right. really sure. But I would bet he he came to us through the the, the launch of the cruiserweight initiative. Now, Jimmy Hart's managing Dean Malenko, too. Oh, my. Well, he's talking to him as he's coming out the entrance, and it's probably because Malenko is going to be facing Benoit at Hogwild, I would imagine. Did you guys ever think, well, I have a question about Dean. Did you ever think about putting him in the Dungeon of Doom or not at all? Uh, no, that's a square peg in a round hole. Dean Malenko is the consummate, believable, ice cold, just machine. And to take that character and put him in that cast of characters that represented the dungeon of doom would have been, I don't know, maybe the worst casting ever. Well, here we go. This is going to be a fun match here. And I want you to keep an eye on the referee because by it's the going to be a great match is what this oh, is. Going oh, to be. absolutely. It's really good. You got two, two tacticians in the ring, a high flyer. Billy Kidman would really go on to do great things in the business and still does in the backstage for WWE, Dean Malenko backstage AEW. So two uh, future coaches, agents, you know, uh, staff workers for these big wrestling organizations, but they're hell of a wrestling performance here in this match. Yeah. I think Billy was, you know, physically probably at the top of his game. Obviously he was very young, hadn't suffered any injuries yet. He was, you know, on the lighter side, hadn't put on a lot of size at this point. Um, so he was able to fly. And I made that same comment about, you know, guys like Ray Mysterio when they were younger, because as you get older, you gain more weight. And if you're lifting hard and, you know, want to build your body up because you're in there with other big guys who have built their body up, then, you know, inevitably you're going to put on some weight and with the weight, you know, you end up losing a little speed and a little bit of flexibility. Um, so yeah, this was Billy Kidman, I think at his best. And Dean Malenko, you know, you've listened to the shows a lot. You know what I think of Dean Malenko yeah. as a performer and uh, as a human being, just a great guy. Speaking of putting on weight, taking off weight, the referee has to lose about 10 pounds in this match. I don't know if you can see, but his shirt is completely drenched. No, that's not fair. Look, look not at this poor guy. Well, just because he's sweating like a pig doesn't mean he looks like one for God's sake. I didn't sake. say he did. It's I'm just saying he's 99 degrees and 88% humidity out there under the lights on top of that. He's so losing that weight as we speak. He's losing you, weight. Come as on. We speak. You could, you could put, you, if that referee weighs more than a buck 40, <laughs> I'll eat my desk and you could get him down to 110 and he'd still sweat like a pig under those lights oh, in the hot man. summer, July in Orlando. For God's sake, clearly you've never worked in the ring in July outside in Orlando. Look at me, Eric. I could, I could afford to lose a few. Maybe I should. Maybe that's my problem. Nah. Oh, no, no, no. We should have let that referee work at a tank top. Now that would have been horrible. Could you imagine? Oh God. But yeah, no, it's definitely hot. You're right. Even the lady on the front row and the pink and the purple pants has got her tank top on. That's not stopping her. So yeah, that's not anything we want to look at for too long. Turn your eyes away if you're watching along with us. You don't want to see that. Oh man, it's tank top city on that front row, and uh, it's it's not it's not the front row we necessarily want to stare at. Uh, as they're wrestling here, they're getting into it. Let's now uh, throw another question at you, another fan question. This comes to us from Sean Malloy. 
And he, sh- he says, not sure if this has been asked, but if Sting was the third man, was he still planned to wrestle in the main event at Bash at the Beach and turn on Lex and Savage during the match? Or was Sting going to be pulled from the main event and interfere like Hogan? So this is some real in-depth detail question here about Sting. Yeah, and had had we had it turned out in a way, if Hogan would have changed his mind, I'm trying to figure out a way to dance around that. But if Hogan would have walked into the building and said, sorry, brother, I can't do that. Thought about it. Doesn't make sense. Um, and I would have had to call an audible. It would have been a true audible. And I would have had to figure out how we were going to adjust on the fly, which was not unusual, by the way. But the truth is, I, I, I was fairly certain, not 100%, maybe 50 or 60% uh, go, this week, the week leading into Bash at the Beach, that Hogan was going to you know, follow through and turn heel. So I hadn't given a lot of actual thought in terms of, okay, if he changes his mind at the last minute, what's the format look like? Never got that far. It would have been interesting. It would have been a challenge, but we'd have figured it out because we figured things like that out in the past, sometimes because of injuries, sometimes because of late flight arrivals, sometimes because of contractual issues, you know, having to, having to, you know, work out a live television show on the fly was not, uh, and is not to this day, all that unusual. We as wrestling fans always have these what if scenarios, but then when I hear you kind of break it down and really piece by piece, what would have that have meant? Like you said, travel schedule, this, this, and it's like, okay, it's fun to armchair quarterback, but when you get into the weeds of the mechanics of how it all works and what needs to be aligned and timing and scheduling, and it's just, it, that's real life. Those are things that got to be worked through before these dream sequences or scenarios could have actually ever happened. Yeah. I mean, because anything can happen, you know, there's a lot of variables that you have absolutely no control over. There's some variables that you do have some control over and there are certain things that you have hundred percent control over. Um, That is the the smallest majority of the variables that can occur in any given show or match or, you know, build up to a pay-per-view, you know, you take one little string out, just pull that one. Eh, we're just going to make this little change here. Let right. me pull that thread out. And then all of a sudden the shit just falls <laughs> apart because you haven't really thought through, you know, all of the what if scenarios, yeah. but uh, that's the nature of the business. And I think the old saying cards subject to change. Well, that's not there f- just for convenience. <laughs> there you go. Well, Kidman would miss the uh, shooting star press here, which has to be one of the first times I've seen him actually miss it. Malenko gets the Texas cloverleaf on. We get the win. Meltzer gave it three and a quarter stars and uh very, very solid match between these two top-notch performers. It was a great match. Great match. Two great talents. Kudos to Billy Kidman. Not only did he establish himself as a real viable top performer in Nitro, eventually in WWE. Now he's a producer in WWE, but I think Billy Kidman's Biggest claim to fame, quite frankly, is Say it. him and him and Tori Wilson, uh, man. Unbelievable. Here we go. Kevin Green, the Let's late, great Kevin Green, a good man. Let's listen in on Kevin. Good to be here, Mean Gene. I tell you what. I tell you what. I am upset like everybody is. Everybody. Everybody about Hulk Hogan. Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Unbelievable how he has stabbed all the little Hulkamaniacs in the back. Everything he's preached at over the years. I've done, I've taken my vitamins, I've said my prayers, I've worked out hard, and and I've become an all-pro in the NFL, and then I find out he doesn't believe a thing that he was preaching. 
He had to be a hero of yours when you were a kid. He was a hero. I looked up to him. Heck, I was a hookamaniac. And then he stabbed everybody in the back. Unbelievable. Speaking of backstabbers, Kevin Green, I'm talking about you know who. Absolutely. And that's the main reason why I'm here. I'm looking for Mongo McMichael. I don't want to wait till after the training camp, after training camp's over, after the season's completed. I want to finish this tonight, right now. Wherever Mongo McMichael is, let it be known. Come to this ring right now, and I'm taking you down hard. I don't want to wait any longer. I understand you've got a plane to catch. How are you going to be able to do that? Hey, I've got about two hours before this plane gets here, but I'm going to be hanging around backstage. You see Mongo, you send him to me, baby. I'm looking for him. If I see him, Kevin Green, believe me, I'll send him straight to you. I'm Whoa, coming. he's ready. You know that training camp gets people a little crazy, and that's going to start when, Thursday? Absolutely. I'll be ready. All right. Stay tuned. Oh, we have got man. more Nitro. We're live from... Kevin was such a great guy. And for those of you that are watching this, that are either in the business or hope to be in the business, first of all, that promo that Kevin did, that was all improv. That was Kevin just knowing what the story was, knowing what the goal was with him and Mongo and having some real emotion. Yeah. The only critique I have of that promo, and I only bring this up because I loved Kevin Green. He was a great guy and a good friend and a good friend to everybody at WCW. But from a technical perspective, if you go back and watch that promo, and again, this is something I see a lot of talent do, not a lot, but some, is they lean down into the mic. Kevin Green was a big, impressive dude. He had traps like small Kias, one on each shoulder. Um, but he tends to lean into the microphone and kind of make him smell, make himself appear smaller on television. So if you happen to be watching this at home or if you're directing promos, help your talent out. If you see them bending down to lead into the mic, you know, either get your, get your announcer to hold the mic up a little higher, which is really the job, part of the job, or stop the damn promo. And, 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 and of course that was live. So you can't go with that, but keep an eye out for that kind of stuff That's because good. it takes away from the visual. All right, guys, I know I shouldn't get excited about this stuff, but I just can't help it. Uh, over the weekend, I saw a tweet where someone was asking our friends over at retro mania wrestling, if they could add a Conrad character to the video game. And to my surprise, retro mania wrestling quote tweeted it and put one of those like uh, emojis where the dude's sort of like tilting his head to the side and he's got like the thinker pose. And I thought, wait a minute, is this a real possibility? Because growing up as a kid, man, I absolutely loved, and I mean loved, the arcade-style wrestling games. You know, like the early 90s, you know the ones. Uh, I don't know that I'm supposed to talk about them, but you know the ones we're talking about. And I just thought, dude, how cool would that be? To not only be able to wrestle with some of your favorite legends, but to do it myself? So I'm going to start a little bit of a low-key campaign. I want to be in this game. I think the game... <laughs> It's awesome. I've got one. You need one. Wait, you don't have one yet? What's the holdup, man? Retromania Wrestling is inspired by that early 90s arcade wrestling action we all grew up on. And they've got an incredible roster with both wrestling legends and the stars from the day. They got the Road Warriors. They got the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer. They've got the NWA world champion, Nick Aldis. They've got your friend and mine, Matt Cardona. They've even got the Blue World Order. There's a story mode, an arcade mode, a singles match, tag matches, six-man tags, eight-man tags, even the retro rumble. That's my jam. 
And by the way, it's available everywhere, all over the place. Nintendo Switch, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, Steam, and II Arcade. Dude, there's even a Retromania-themed II Arcade cabinet. Check them out at RetromaniaWrestling.com or follow my friends on social media at RetroSoft Studios. That's RetromaniaWrestling.com and follow them at RetroSoft Studios. Maybe tweet them you want a Conrad character. How badass would that be? It's RetromaniaWrestling.com. You're going to love it. Check it out. So he came out and he challenges McMichael here and he mentions training camp on Thursday. Was this a, a last minute shift in plans as far as, hey, we got to get you into a match with him because training camp starts soon, big guy. No, I mean, we, that was the plan all okay. along. We knew we had a window and we knew how we and when we could play inside of that window. So it was, uh, you know, it wasn't improv or anything like that, or it wasn't a reaction to gotcha. training camp. It was just working with the schedule. Well, we saw a commercial for WCW magazine, and that was your your son, right? That in the Sting outfit for that promo for that. Yeah, commercial? that was Garrett B. That's Jackson awesome. James, part of Aces and Ace, that devastating faction that I put together in TNA. Uh, that did, by the way, a great job. And now we're seeing a little bit of yeah. that Aces and Ace uh, faction, believe it or not, uh, in WWE. Um, so it's it's kind of interesting to see how things just morph and evolve, but. Well, what That's we, cool. what we see right now on our screens, we're at the 28, 20, 28 minute, 25 second mark here. Harlem heat is making their way out to the ring. They're going to take on rough and rowdy. Yeah. That's Dick Slater. He's rough. And Mike Enos is rowdy and they're managed by Robert Parker who, uh, you know, you have Sherry Martell coming down here with Harlem heat and this is going to be fun. And I got to mention Sherry, she is looking all the way live in that outfit. I miss Sherry. She was, uh, she was special. You know, I hear a lot of talk about, and again, this is going to sound like I'm petty or I'm picking on people and it. It's not that it's just my observation from having been around for a few minutes. You know, you hear people, women, you know, in WWE and in other organizations kind of claiming to have broken down the barriers mm. and, you know, being the first at this and, you know, we pave the way for the women in wrestling, you know, Sherry doesn't get a lot of that You're right. kind of credential or credit. And I, I, I you know, it just doesn't, I don't lose sleep over it, but, but you're right. It, it, it kind of bugs me a little bit. You know, Wendy Richter, how often do you hear Wendy Richter's name when Never. they talk about, you know, women who have paved the way for the women in the wrestling business today, you don't ever hear Wendy Richter's name come up too often, but she was great. She was a great performer and, you know, was doing it in the eighties when very few women were. Um, and, and Sherry Martell, another woman who could work in the ring, her promos were outstanding. Any, anybody that ever worked with her in the ring, male, female, um, will tell you she was one of the toughest people in that ring and she had no fear. She had zero fear. She would do things. A lot of guys didn't want to do you know, putting her at herself at risk. Mm -hmm. So to all you ladies out there who are proud of where you are and sports entertainment industry and, 
you're reflecting back on how you got there. Come on, remember Sherry Martell's name and throw in a Wendy Richter every now and then for crying out loud. It's not going to cost you a dime. You'll actually get yourself over. You Instead go. of putting yourself over, people will be putting you over, which, by the way, is the magic. That's how you get yourself over, not by putting yourself over, right. but by doing things and saying things that motivates other people to put you over. That's how you get over, not putting yourself over. All right, enough of that. And Ladies and gentlemen, that's our sermon this week from Pastor Eric Bischoff. Be back next Sunday. No, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> Sherry, not only was she an in-ring performer, she could wrestle. Listen, she wrestled in the AWA, wrestled in other uh, territories, promotions, but a valet helping to get Harlem Heat over. Macho Man and others. Uh, scary Sherry. She did it in WCW. She did it in the WWE or WWF at the time. And you're absolutely right. I know Conrad considers her top five uh, of, all, of all time when it comes to women and just the all-around skill level. And, uh, man, you're absolutely right. I will agree with you there uh, big time. She doesn't get the credit. And Wendy Richter, you mentioned, yes, we definitely remember her uh, from the 80s heydays. But uh, Sherry Martell, just uh, incredible, would work with the Four Horsemen. She did it all. Indeed, she did. And my buddy, Mike Enos, I worked with Mike yes. Enos. The Destruction Crew. In, in Minnesota, the Destruction Crew. I love Mike it. Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom. Is that Wayne Bloom? No, that's... That's Dick no, Slater. No. But, uh, I was going to say, yeah. man, if that's Wayne Bloom, he was eating pizza a couple days before this show. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne Bloom sucking on an air hose. No, that's a, that's a dirty Dick Slater. And, uh, but you're right. I remember Enos and Bloom, the Destruction Crew, AWA, man. That was their, that was their deal there. Yeah, they're uh, Wayne Bloom, Robbinsdale boy. Went to, uh, I think he went to Robbinsdale Cooper. My wife went to Robbinsdale High School. Rick Rude went to Robbinsdale. <laughs> Kurt Hennig. There's a whole pile of them. Wayne oh, Bloom yeah. was one of them. Now, we don't see Wayne Bloom in this match. I don't know why yeah. I'm talking about Wayne Bloom. But it was, but fun, was fun to fun talk guy. about the destruction crew. What about Dick Slater? So the guy we thought who was Wayne Bloom. Do you have any good Dick Slater stories for us? You know, I, I don't. I, I Obviously, I knew Dick and worked with Dick, but I never really got to know him personally and, and never really spent any time other than, you know, incidental time backstage in the course of uh, producing a show, but I never really got to know Dick Slater. I've heard plenty of stories, you know, traveling with dusty roads. I, I heard a lot of stories, but I, I, I don't have any of my own. Well, let's, uh, let's do this as they continue to wrestle on here. Let's go back to the fan questions. We want to make sure, like I said, we got quite a few this week. So, uh, Jay comes in and says, uh, Hogan delivering great promos here, uh, and that bash in the beach. I remember Nash saying he wanted to get away from the Hogan esque old school promos. Can Eric remember a conversation about this between himself and Hogan? I read a producer came up with the vignettes. How did, uh, Hulk Hogan take this as far as getting away from those old school Hogan esque promos? Well, I'll, I'll give you my perspective. Okay. And my perspective might be slightly different than the perspective. And I think it was Kevin Nash that, as you pointed out, yes. they talked about trying to get Hogan away from that. You know, Kevin was, you know, involved in this whole thing from, from a different perspective than I was, but here's what I remember. Um, we were shooting promos right after bash at the beach at the Disney MGM studios. We've talked about this before. We were kind of on location for a week or two because Atlanta was jammed up with the, uh, the uh, Olympics in 96. There were no freelance production people available. All of the Turner crew that we normally would have access to, they were all booked. So we had to go somewhere where we didn't really need any um, freelancers or third-party help. And that was Disney MGM studios. Um, and we were producing 
you know, these promos in a soundstage with Scott and Kevin and, 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 and uh, Hulk. And I was there with Neil Pruitt, who I think was producing those promos. I was kind of directing, Neil was producing slash directing. And it just got, it was really painful because they all had a lot to say. Kevin, Scott, and Hulk obviously had an all lot to say. And they were all used to kind of improving, right, off each other. Well, when you got two people improving off of each other, especially in Scott and Kevin that knew each other really well, they were synced up, chemistry, they knew each other's timing and all that, they could have pulled that off. If it would have been Hulk and Kevin or Hulk and Scott, that probably would have worked too. But now you put three guys who are all big personalities and great talkers in their own rights. And, and in Hulk's case, especially because he was on autopilot, man, he was so used to being up there by himself. Rarely did he share interview time with people through the majority of his career. He did certainly don't haters out there. I know he was a part of a couple of tag teams. I know fuck off. <laughs> But the majority of his career, he was a singles guy. And he was so used to his cadence and his yeah. timing and, and, and all that, that. Now you put those three guys together and it was like, blah, 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 blah. we'll never get, try to get a seven minute interview out of those three guys. Good luck with that. So we started looking at different ways to let them talk, let them do what they do and let them do a lot of it. You know, those guys who go out there and riff just just cutting promos, you know, as a team for 15, 20 minutes. And then we would take that back and we would edit it together and affect it with the black and white and all the other things that we did. And that's how that style of promo was born out of necessity. Like most great things, the mother of invention is necessity. And it was out of necessity that we had to figure out a way because we didn't, we didn't, uh, it wasn't premeditated. We didn't say, now here's an example where I could put myself over, right? I could say, and there'd be really no one around to dispute me with any credibility. I could say, you know, I was thinking about it and I had this vision and I wanted to see this new style of promo and effect. I could say all of that and probably everybody other than the people that were directly involved would believe it. But that wasn't true. It was like, oh, my God, how are we going to get a three-minute interview out of these three guys? It's just not going to work. Right. I know. And it might have been Neil Pruitt's idea, by the way. I'm not even taking credit for that. I think it was Neil Pruitt. So wait a minute. Just let them talk, and we'll edit it together. Yeah. And in the process of editing it together, we went, whoa, this is really cool. What if we make it go black and white? Mm. Oh, that's really cool. What if we do some other video effects to it while it's Holy smokes. It was a badass pro. It was so cutting edge. It was so cutting edge, but it was born out of necessity. It was before it's time, Eric. It was really, uh, it took the business in a whole new direction. It was something new. It was something, as you say, different finally that we hadn't seen, even just with those, you know, produ producing those clips and editing and clipping it together, the black and white, it was fresh. And my goodness, the wrestling business needed something like that at that point. So with that, the Harlem Heat match has officially wrapped up. And you know how it all ended? Sherry kisses Dick Slater on the mouth. She was tearing it up with him. And then the the, the roll up and the Harlem Heat get to victory. It's a half, a half a star from Meltzer. Was this a rib on her? Kind of this, hey, just go in, do a little nobody lip lock rib, action. Nobody, nobody ribs Sherry. Nobody. And, and not because they were afraid of her, but because they had so 
much respect for ah, her. Okay. Just nobody ribs Sherry. We're getting a, a highlight package here of Rey Mysterio, man. It's just incredible what he was doing again, 25 years ago in the ring. And the man is still getting it done with his style, the way he wrestles for WWE. I, I tell you what, man, I, I hope that one day Ray fully gets his due. He was a trendsetter for the shorter wrestlers, man. Really good, good stuff. Shorter, lighter, smaller wrestlers. You know, you look at what we're watching today and in, in WWE, but probably even more in AEW, um, you're seeing smaller you know, faster, more athletic um, performers out there. And much like we were talking about with Sherry Martell, and it's not that people don't give Ray credit, but I just don't think they really understand how much credit they should give Ray and Dean Malenko and Billy Kidman and Eddie Guerrero and any number of other fantastic performers and and the luchadors in particular, all of them. Um, That style of wrestling changed the industry in its own way as much as the NWO storyline and Nitro as a whole did because it's it opened the door. It made everybody, promoters like Vince McMahon and, and others and Tony Khan today, go, wait a minute, you don't have to be six foot six and 300 pounds to put on a great match. You know, this style of match is some way, in some ways, maybe a little more entertaining to watch because it's different and it's just faster paced. So hats off to, to Ray is kind of the king of the cruiserweights, but also to everybody else involved because they, they helped change the industry in their way, a significant way, almost as much as W or NWO did. All right, Conrad, let's take a, a quick timeout to talk about this past weekend. You know, we love our, our supporters, our family over at AdFreeShows.com. And this weekend, a cuz came by all the way from Dallas, Texas, from AdFreeShows.com, John Hickson. And he came in just to hang out here in Cody, Wyoming, visit a little, grill a little, go to the rodeo, have a beer or two. It was a great weekend. Love meeting John. And I was really excited to, uh, to get on RecTech one more time. And this weekend, we had to keep it a little simple, right? Nothing too exotic, just something easy, quick to prepare, but special. So I went to my local butcher shop, got some great sausages, some Polish sausages, some bratwurst, some smoked lamb bratwurst, all kinds of good stuff, and smoked them on the Rectech, and they turned out outstanding. And I just want to tell you, you I have the RT700. That's a flagship model. It comes with a 40-pound pellet hopper. It gives users roughly, I don't know, 40 hours of continuous cooking time, so it's really easy to plan ahead. You got over 700 square inches of cooking space, so whether you're cooking for 3, 4, 5, 10, 12, or more, as I have, Rectech can handle it. It's unbelievable, and it has this really cool PID Wi-Fi controller with a six-year bumper-to-bumper warranty. You can bake, smoke, sear, grill, even dehydrate if that's what you're into, all with the push of a button, and that's why those who know choose Rectech. That's why I love my Rectech. And that remote control PID Wi-Fi controller is unbelievable because, brother, I can sit in town in Cody, Wyoming, having a beer, decide, you know what, it's time to get everything cooking. Before I pay for my beer, I can set the temperature in my grill, I can get it started, and by the time I get home, I'm ready to cook. 
no waste of time. And once I get home, there's temperature probes where you can insert into the meat that you're cooking and you can monitor the temperature of whatever it is you're cooking from wherever you are anywhere in the world and adjust the temperatures accordingly. And it takes the guesswork out of cooking because when you're grilling, if you want to be a grill god, you've got to be able to control the temperatures and the time of the meat that you're cooking. And when you have the ability to monitor the internal temperature of the meat that you're cooking, you know what that means, Conrad? That means your product is going to come out absolutely perfect every single time. Consistency is what it's all about, and that's what Rectech delivers. It's an unbelievable grill. It uses wood pellets. You can smoke, like we said. You can bake. You can do almost anything on this grill. It's convenient. It's made of stainless steel. This thing is the Rolls-Royce of grills. It's easier to clean. It's an amazing, amazing tool, and that's the way I look at it. I take my grilling very seriously, and that's why I love it. And at Rectech, they brought back old school customer service with an emphasis on making everyone feel like a member of the Rectech family. Rectech offers industry leading bumper to bumper warranties on all the grills, a 30 day money back guarantee, all factory direct pricing means there's no middleman. You, you are the winner in that situation. All grills ship free. And Rectech is incredibly active on social media with tons of online resources and they go live every day with cooking demonstrations so if you're a beginner you can get your feet wet if you think you're a pro you're going to learn a thing or two just visit rectech.com that's r-e-c-t-e-q.com follow them on social media believe me rectech it's a game changer absolutely and uh while we were uh Talking through that, Kevin Green came back out to the rampway, didn't find Mike Mongo, stated it as such, and now he's got to go to the NFL, Eric. He said he'll see McMichael after he's done, so that wrapped up that little angle pretty quick there. Yep, tease him a little, give him a little bit, hopefully you'll be (laughs) able to come back with it when the season's over. That's right. That's like we were talking about last week. You got to tease, you got to tease him along. It can't happen right. right after the fact, so there we go. Little tease there. And we're back in the ring with, by the way, another top performer of all time when it comes to female wrestlers. And it's Medusa. We get Sherry earlier. Now Medusa, probably two of the top from the eighties and nineties. And, uh, Medusa's here fighting Malia Hosaka and they're in the ring. Hosaka is described as Japanese, but Oh, by the way, she's actually Hawaiian. And, uh, there's lots of fun commentary on this one as they're building to Medusa and bull Nakana and a motorcycle match at hog wild. Medusa's another woman, uh, tough as board, tough as a board, you know, obviously a very attractive woman. She, she brought all of that to the ring, but she could also go and she was tough. She was just physically tough. And another multi-dimensional performer, not only in the ring as a wrestler, but you think about her time as a, as a valet, she worked with the dangerous Alliance, uh, through those uh, years in WCW prior to this era. Uh, you know, dump the belt in the trash can on nitro. So many historic moments for Medusa. She's probably most famous for that. Yeah. You're welcome, Medusa. Even though it was your idea, not mine. <laughs> I didn't come up with that idea. You did. And you, and then you burned me later on and put all the heat on me. Then she tried okay, to say I it was think. all your idea, Eric. Yeah, she did. She did. <laughs> she forgot to, she left out the part where she called me and she actually admitted this. She was taking a dump on a toilet when she called me. Oh my God. And she, and she, 
She, her words, not mine. Yeah. I didn't make, I'm not making this stuff up. I believe it. She, she actually, when she called me and, and I said, sure, Medusa. Cause I know, I, you know, I started in the AWA right about the same time as Medusa. She just started like a week before me or I started a week before her. And uh, so I've known Medusa for a long time and she was a friend, you know, she still is to this day, friend of the family. Yeah. And uh, she called me and said, Hey, you know, is you got anything for me in WCW? I said, sure. Deuce, come on in. We'll figure it out. And she said, Oh, and uh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> he simulated, oh. he simulated a shit when I guess hosted Conrad. She says, as I got it, uh, she said, Oh, by the way, maybe it's what made her think about it. I've got the WWE women's championship. Should I bring it with you? With me? And I said, sure. Bring it with you. We'll Don't bring anything out. else with you. Just bring the belt. Good Lord. Yeah. And the rest is history. Yeah. Oh, she's going to love that. Oh my she's God. She's going to hate me for that. I love it. <laughs> that's what I hear. That's the soundbite we're here for this week. Oh, that was yeah. good. Oh man. That's just like the soundbite you got last week talking about how nobody watches hockey. I saw that making its way around the, uh, the old mulberry bush there, social media. Uh, some Jagoff posted something this morning, 2.4 million people <laughs> watch the Stanley cup final. 2.4 million people watch the Stanley cup finals. And you think that's good. You just made my point. It's the clinching. It's the clinching game. I mean, you know, they won it actually. The final game. Oh over. my god! People are just so. Yeah, just get off. Let's turn this. Let's turn it in the mean tweet receipts right here. Let's just do a. Because I got a fun. No, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I know, but here we go. You no. ready? Here's a question. Medusa, right. by the way, would win here on the German suplex. She gets the one, two, three. Don't want to lose track where you are. If you're following Medusa home, in red, white, and uh, blue. Beats the Hawaiian slash Japanese performer <laughs> with a German suplex. <laughs> you talk about diversity and programming. Uh, Nitro was on the leading edge of that crap. That's right. Diversity, inclusion, and awareness. 101 right here on Nitro, July 96. Holy smokes. Uh, this is good. So we're about to kick off hour two. The fireworks are blowing up. And uh, here we go. Hour number two underway. So we got a question. This reminded me a little bit of some mean tweet receipt type stuff. And this comes to us from Brandon. Okay. I apologize if it doesn't pertain to this particular show, but I see Eric talk about how he made a list of how he could be different from WWF and how his show is going to be more reality based. But 95, 96 before NWO, the dungeon of doom was reality based. That's some bullshit. You got lucky with one idea. Hashtag ask Eric. Okay, Brandon, you fucking twit. Yes. If you paid attention, which clearly you don't, you would have heard me say on multiple occasions, on multiple podcasts, in innumerable, that means many because you're such a dipshit, many interviews that yes, the transition into a more reality based, ah, the transition, the evolution, not all at once, not every freaking match, you dipshit. How many times have you ever heard me say that wrestling is like a buffet? You have to have a little bit of everything for everyone, or you're appealing to a small minority of everyone. Now write it down, listen to this, record this, and get up every morning. And listen to it and remind yourself what we did is evolve into a more 
reality-based format than we had been previously. Can I make it any fucking clearer to you? I wish Perhaps it. we should draw that with crayons and stick figures and little pop-up con- cartoonish commentary. So this numbskull, how many people use the word numbskull anymore? My dad, my you uncle. to be over 60 years old if you're using exactly. the word numbskull, right? It's, it means dipshit. It's the same thing. You can, whatever you, whatever you think applies to you the most. But it's just not that hard. But yes, maybe we'll draw it in stick figures and crayons with cartoon captions, because clearly that's a limit of your intellectual capacity and ability to absorb information. Listen, and I, and I, and I got to agree with you, Eric. We talked about this on Mean Tweet Receipts. They always want to say you're one good idea. But when you talk about who brought WCW to, to Monday nights, the cruiserweight division, the NWO, there's three. And we just started. I just started talking 10 seconds ago. Yeah, so. a, live, a live format, putting more pay-per-view quality right. matches on free television, all the backstage segments that you never used to see before. You've been, you're so used to seeing parts of the arena now that you wouldn't have seen in 1995. You don't even fucking know the changes that I made to this industry or nitro made to this industry because you're too stupid to do the fucking research because all you read is the bumper sticker wrestling bullshit. You find that a dirt (laughs) sheet or a dirt sheet site. Dave Meltzer said it. If I ground this piece of garbage, Oh man, you buried it. Let's move on. People are going to get bored with me here. No, I'm not. This is that. This is entertaining. This is what we're here for. Eric. I'll tell you what's entertaining. What's entertaining is that this is about the sixth time in an hour that we've seen Jimmy Hart making an entrance. (laughs) It's the Jimmy Hart show with I should have negotiated for 25% of all of his future earnings when he left WCW, because the only reason he's getting booked is because of the hours that he spent on television and night. So I'm just kidding, Jimmy, come on, fucking with you. Well, listen, while we were talking and you, well, while you were ranting there a little bit, the second hour began and it was Bobby Heenan and you, that's right. That, that sexy boy, Eric Bischoff, that makes Lauren Yaffe's head spin. You guys are debuting here on the commentary. Can't help myself for the second hour. And, uh, all of a sudden Nash and Hall are putting bed sheets over the WCW logos. The fans, Eric, start chanting diesel and they're already starting to seem like baby faces, but the march is on. The NWO, they keep showing it here. We're at uh, 48 minutes, 45 seconds. NWO now covers the WCW logo. And uh, we have Meng and Arn Anderson that are uh, making their way to the ring here for a match. But the backdrop, everything they're talking about on commentary right now is Nash and Hall and the NWO. What a cool idea, though. I don't know whose idea it was, whoever it is. Yeah, was deserves the credit, but yeah. what a cool idea to throw the sheets up over the WCW logo. Whatever idea it was, I love it. No, I don't. I don't know. I oh, okay, okay. I thought you were claiming that as number ten. No, 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 okay. no, no. Okay. It wasn't my idea. Right. Uh, my idea was to inspire others to come up with great ideas. There you go. That's what a leader does, different. Eric. That's what a leader does. That's what a leader does. You got it. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating. But nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off, like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance. Or finally, understanding all of those terms your friends keep throwing around, like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Learn about these investment products and more at investor.gov. 
your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, investor.gov. Well, we have Meng here and Arn Anderson. And uh, how are these two supposed to do a match here, Eric? Uh, the, uh, nobody, I don't think anybody, at least watching at home on TV, is thinking about them when you're seeing Nash and Hall up in there with their cabana chairs and their drinks. And, and it's on. NWO was on. Yeah, and that had to be in all seriousness, because I'm having fun with you, Paulie. That's good. Um, in all seriousness, this had to be tough on the talent. Yeah. Because not only did, you know, Hall and Ash come in and, and do what they did and the Hogan turn and all of that, but there was a feeling already by now, you know, two weeks after, you know, Bash at the Beach or a week after, um, where the, the heels were kind of cool. There was a little bit of a cool factor going on at this point. Now, when Hogan was with him, you know, there was a little bit more heat because he got so much heat when he turned. But Scott and Kevin by themselves were pretty freaking cool. And now you've got two cool heels distracting the audience, to your point. That's a very good point. Distracting from the match. And as performers, that's the last thing you want because Arn and May are out there. They're doing everything they can to get the attention on themselves. That's what they should be doing. That's what pros do. But instead, because of where we're producing the show, we're kind of fucking with that. And I got, it had to be hard for them. And I got to be honest, as a fan through this era, some of the stuff, you know, we, you, some people may say filler matches, but as a fan, they kind of felt like it because you were excited that Nash and Hall were there and you wanted to see them. You wanted to see what they were going to do next or the NWO. You were so hooked in and so engrossed with the anything can happen NWO storyline that there were probably a lot of matches like this one that just got glossed over or looked over as a fan because we're concentrating or thinking or excited for what we're going to see next. So that's a great point. And, and also, and, and it wasn't because there was any disrespect. It's not like I disrespected oh. Arn or Ming or the match or didn't feel it was important. But the, the most important thing that we were trying to do, the foundation we were laying with the NWO here kind of took precedence over a lot of things. And again, I, I yeah. know that that was an issue with, with some of the guys. Some of, the, some of them expressed it to me directly. Some of them I heard about how they expressed it from others and others just kept it to themselves. But I think across the board, a lot of the WCW, particularly the baby faces in the company were like, what the hell? Yeah. How is this going to work? You know, because it, we, again, you know, talk about changes, you know, this is the, the, the NWO was the first anti-hero faction in, 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 I think in professional wrestling previously, yeah, you had the four horsemen, but they weren't the anti-heroes. Not like the NWO was. And that changed the dynamic. That changed the heel baby face kind of traditional storytelling formula in the ring as well as outside of the ring. And it took a while for people to get comfortable with it. Many, some of them didn't ever get comfortable with it. Some of them took it personally. It makes total sense. Name names, but. Yeah, but I mean, it, that makes total sense to me, Eric. If I'm a wrestler, not in the NWO, Maybe not in a major storyline, but I'm a guy that comes in and gives my best every nitro or every house show or whatever. I got to be scratching my head. Like, how do I find my place in this world type thing? Yep. There was a lot of that. And in, and really in the initial weeks, the, particularly the first two or three weeks, even leading in to the Hogan turn, 
you know, the week or two preceding, two weeks of TV preceding that, there was a lot of, hey, Eric, uh, <clears throat> how's this going to work? <laughs> what about me? Right. What, how, I'm a baby face and these guys are kind of more over than me. Uh, it was, but, you know, we stuck it out. We, st- we stuck with the program. We didn't waver. Yeah. Here's kind of a fun question uh, that I'd like to ask while we're, we're going over this match in Hall and Nash. Now we're back. Uh, they're on camera here. We're at 5335. And a uh, really good question came in here, and it's from uh, Corey. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to transition to this one because this one is a little more on topic. Bevan Boychuk says, before Hall and Nash were part of the equation, were there any long-term creative plans in place for the second half of 96? So before their contracts, they become available. You start to think about the whole NWO faction, if you will. Did you have anything else in the back of your mind that you were thinking? I know we're going back 25 years, but was there any other creative direction or juices flowing or thoughts around what you could do? I, I, I would, uh, no, okay. there wasn't in, in it pains me to admit that, but I, I, I endeavor to persevere. Do you know where that line came from? Endeavor to persevere. Yeah. Famous, famous Western movie. One of my favorite actors, character actors said it. Endeavor to persevere. That was chief Dan George in a scene with Clint Eastwood in the outlaw Josie Wales. That's where that came from. But my attempt to endeavor to persevere um, when it comes to telling the truth on this show. No, I didn't have an idea what I was going to do in the latter half of 96 in the beginning of 96. Generally we were hoping to be three months ahead at least have an idea of what we wanted to do three months ahead. So by April, I already kind of knew where I was going, but prior to April, nah, not a clue. <laughs> just seeing how the current storylines were playing out and figuring out next steps. It, yeah. Just kind of see where things are going. How, it, it, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, there was no rhyme or reason to right. it either, but a lot of the stuff that, you know, I, cause this is really when I started booking, being involved in booking Kevin Sullivan was still a booker, but I, you know, prior to 95, I never got involved in booking with nitro. I got a little bit more involved with booking because I was very involved with the format and the overall tone of the show. I didn't get into matches too much and I didn't get into finishes too much or at all really. But by 96, I was getting more and more comfortable and I was getting more and more involved. And my approach really with my contribution to creative direction was generally led by seeing what the audience was reacting to every week. And you've got a focus group of anywhere between, you know, normal television situation, not when you're shooting at Disney, but you know, you've got, you know, 2,500 to 8,500 people that will tell you exactly what they're excited about if you pay attention to it. And I really would spend a lot of time, I never sat in gorilla position, as you've probably heard me talk about, because that's an artificial, you don't feel things the way the audience in the building feels it, or the way people watching at home feel it when you're, you know, locked down to the gorilla position on, on a set of headphones. So I would go out and I'd watch how the crowds were reacting to specific things. And the more reaction I saw, the more ideas I would start to get from what, what we could do with that particular talent. So that was the method or lack of to my madness. Hey, it makes sense that how else are you going to anticipate what to do next? You mentioned focus groups. 
obviously listening to the fan reaction, seeing what works. You hope at some point too, you have some wrestlers with some creative ideas. Unfortunately, I know WWE has gotten away from that with all their writing teams, but I still like to see wrestling promotions that have wrestlers come up with their own creative and allow them to do it and put them out you know there. What, Paul, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to call, I'm going to throw a flag on that one. All right. Flag me. Here no, we go. If there, if, if, if there is a perception out there that wrestlers really don't have any voice in their creative WWE, and it's really all up to the writers uh, that, that that's, that's not, it's not accurate. not accurate. Okay. No, no, I, I can only tell you about the very brief period of time that I was involved in the creative process <clears throat> back in 2019 or whatever it was, lost track of time. Um, but wrestlers would, uh, talent would often go to the writers with their ideas. Okay. And it was up to the writers to help shape that idea because no matter how great you are as a performer and how much experience you've had as a performer, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're that great at putting, putting together an extended storyline it kind of fits into the framework of what you need for television. You can come you as a talent, you could go to a, a, a writer that understood the basic building blocks of a great story and say, I have got this great idea between me and this person over here. And it was up to that writer to work with that talent and then come up with an idea that made sense and then present that idea to ultimately to Vince McMahon. I saw that a lot. And I'm, I'm, you know, I generally don't talk about things that, Vince and I talked about um, when it came to business because I just generally don't think I should. But in this case, I'm going to stick up for WWE a little bit and try to dispel that rumor okay. because at least when I was there, it was only a year and a half ago or so, that two years ago, whatever it was. Um, one of the first things Vince said to me was, Eric, reach out to the talent, develop a relationship with the talent, let them give you their ideas, get them involved in the process. I am telling you that was some of the early direction that I got from Vince McMahon himself. So I think this persistent kind of narrative that, oh, yes. it's just a bunch of writers and wrestlers don't have any choice and they're forced to do There probably are situations where talent is asked to do things they don't really feel as comfortable with, or they have ideas that they really want to get out there, but for whatever reason, they're not clicking yet. I get that. That happens. But I just want everybody to know WWE, at least when I was there, you know, not only encourage talent to work with writers, but encourage the people who are in charge of the writers to work with talent to get some of the wrestling perspective into it. So hope that does the job. What would your family do with an extra $108,000? That's a problem that our listener Jacob out in Colorado has now. Thanks to save with Conrad.com. He recently saved money with us over at SaveWithConrad.com. gave us a five-star review and wrote this. Our previous mortgage company made each step of the process difficult, but Jimmy took it in stride and made it happen. He was able to lock us in at one and a half percent less than we were at and saved us $108,000 over the life of the loan. Guys, that's unbelievable. Jacob saved more than 108 grand, but how much can you save? It's free to find out right now. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh, by the way, did we mention no house payments for two months? And we're licensed in more than 40 states. So what are you waiting for? Start saving money today at SaveWithConrad.com.
No, I'm glad you clarified that because that is the narrative that is out there, uh, you know, social media, wh wherever. But I think what you said was very important there. Maybe, you know, and I said it wrong that they are, it's ixnade at the creative or the writers when really it's not, it sounds like they're enablers. They're there to help They're help to cultivate, but maybe it's then when it gets to Vince, Okay, he's going to be the one that's going to give it the the the, the go or the no, and uh, and I think and, and I mean that's at least when I was there, that was the process. Yeah. And look, somebody has to make that call. One person has to go. Yep, I like it, or no, I don't, or I kind of like it. And if you would do this and this and this, maybe it'll work better. You know, but there's got to be that one person. And look, not I don't. There's nobody that has so much talent that is going to be able to go and present anything consistently to one person and have that one person go, yeah, do that. Yeah, you're right. This doesn't work that way because, you know, and here's what talent sometimes didn't understand when I was involved a lot more with talent is that what, even though an idea may work for them and actually make a lot of sense for them, but if it dilutes or distracts, and sometimes that's just about timing from another story that, is an A story. So if you're a, a talent that you're, you're in the middle of the card, maybe upper middle of the card, I used to call that a B story. You know, you're not the primary focus, but you're right up there. You've got a B story that may be really good, but if all of the focus and the attention right now was on the A story, because that's what we're promoting on a pay-per-view and that's what we're dedicating the most television time to, and that's what we're banking on for pay-per-view revenue, then your idea may have to take a back seat or it may not just be the right time at all. It has to go on a shelf. Talent doesn't necessarily have to look at the business from that perspective. They're looking at the business from a narrow, very narrow perspective. What's a great story for me, which by the way, they should. Yeah, That's what they should do. But the caveat to that is you have to be professional enough and experienced enough to realize sometimes there's reasons other than I just don't like it that keeps an idea from happening. And I think that's the key for wrestlers too, is being able to have that creative freedom and liberty to have those conversations. It sounds like that still happens in WWE, which is very good. I know it happens in other organizations. It's encouraged. Um, and so no, makes total sense. Not everybody's going to like everything uh, that you say or do, or I say or do. And uh, sometimes it's a collaborative effort and really you got to talk through and so, and, and listen, honestly, a wrestler's thinking about himself and where he's got to move or wants to move in his career, but you have that, that guy or that group, that team that's trying to look at it collectively and strategically and saying, where are we headed as an organization? And then where does everyone fit within that, within that structure? What'll work? So it, it makes a lot of sense. But we're watching now where at least I'm at uh, one hour, two minutes in about 60 seconds. Yeah, we are. We are synced up. It's Guerrero Benoit. So let me catch everybody up on what's occurred since uh, we've been talking a little bit here. Uh, you would have Barbarian interfere in the Ming Arn Anderson match. Ming gets the win. Meltzer called it a dud. And, uh, you know, it, it was a long match between those two for sure. It's hard to remember Arn having a bad match. But, man, him and Ming, they just didn't click style-wise. Uh, but that one ended up there with the barbarian uh, interference. Then we had Steve and Deborah McMichael. They came out doing some classic heel work on the mic. And uh, he said, listen, what's going on here? He has already left. I'm here. He's a coward talking about Kevin Green. Do you remember what the original plan for Green and McMichael was? Because it never ended up being finished, uh, Eric. I really don't. 
I really don't. And Paulie, could you take over here for about a minute? I've got to take care of some business and I'll be right back. You take care of the business. I'll catch us all up on where, what we're got, we got going on here. So again, McMichael and green never, that never got wrapped up, unfortunately between those two. And, uh, then they make their way to the back and here we are. It is the match Eric referred to. We're at an hour, four minutes, 10 seconds. And it's Eddie Guerrero taking on Chris Benoit. This is a classic Nitro match. And, uh, man, I tell you what, it had to be easy back in these days just to fill a 10 to 15 minute block knowing that you're going to get some great wrestling here. And that's what we get between Chris and Eddie. And, uh, man, I tell you what, it's been a lot of fun catching up and talking with Eric about this time period and philosophy and what was going on. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention what he was talking about, about some of these wrestlers that are probably feeling like second wheel, uh, going through this, these shows, uh, when you have such a big time storyline with the NWO and man, it's a lot of fun reliving this time period. I'm excited to see some of the special guests that they have coming up, Eric and Conrad future episodes here on 83 weeks. So And uh, we have Eddie Guerrero here jumping on top of Chris Benoit. The oh, Disney that was amazing. Oh. <laughs> I, was starting to, I was starting to run out of gas, Eric. I'm like, where's my talker? Oh, I got to tell you what, man. Sometimes <laughs> when you sit there and pound coffee and drink water, you just got to go. you know. And, and, I, and by the way, I want to say, for the record, taking a leak is sometimes uh, one of the most <laughs> underrated great feelings in it the world. It is, isn't it? The relief never gets, never gets enough credit. <laughs> it is. There is something special about that relief, but, uh, speaking of action and what's going on, it's Guerrero and Benoit, and these guys are tearing it down. You got to love just being able to plug these two guys in for about 15 minutes and knowing they're going to put on a, a classic match. Yeah. You're going to see a clinic every single time you're, you're going to see a clinic and this is absolutely no exception. So it would be announced during this match here, Eric, that uh, Ric Flair and Eddie Guerrero are going to face off for the United States belt at Hog Wild. Uh, who's coming up with Eddie taking on Flair? Is this is this your idea, Kevin Sullivan's idea, or is it just you know is Flair pushing for this in terms of the next step in his story as the U.S. champion? Does he want to give some guys a rub here that are up and comers? I, I I would point to Kevin Sullivan. Okay, you know, I think what Kevin was trying to do and I think did successfully was elevate guys like Eddie by getting him a little more experience with some of the more with the higher profile talent, getting the rub as they say in the industry, you know, as great as Eddie was, Eddie was relatively new to the mass American audience Not saying they hadn't, people hadn't seen him before. I know he had been other places, but had very limited exposure to the national primetime viewing audience. And you want to help elevate talent like that at this point in his career. I got to keep saying that because dipshits like that guy that asked the question about the one good idea, yeah. you know, you got to say things over and over and over again to them. It's like training a fucking it's dog. The key sometimes. to learning repetition. No, do not piss on the carpet. No, do not piss on the carpet. So, yeah, one of the things you'd have to do sometimes is is take a guy like Eddie and go, okay, let's let's have it because you know he's going to have a great match with Ric Flair, and you know Ric Flair is going to put him over and make him look like a million dollars. And I'm I venture to guess it's a guess at this point that that's what Kevin was thinking. Yeah, 
Well, a little bit of outside news here at this time. The Warrior, that's right, the Ultimate Warriors WWF run would come to an abrupt end right around this time after missing a few shows. And they bring in Sid to come in and replace him. Had you had any negotiations in or around this time with Sid? Or was there, there still some uh, heat from the uh, last time he stabbed Arn Anderson when he was in WCW? I know that's a, a touchy subject politically. No, I, I mean, I don't know if, I mean, eventually I ended up talking to Sid and I think it may have been later. It might've been 97, maybe even 98. I don't remember. Uh, it was cer certainly not at this point. I wasn't negotiating with Sid, but not because it was any heat. I okay. look what happened, happened. And it was really unfortunate. Um, I had to take the action I had to take because I got to do something. And based on all the accounts that I heard, I made the right decision. I probably would make a similar decision today based on the information that I had. Um, but there wasn't heat. It, it wasn't like he was never going to come back. And clearly he did. That's kind of a fun name to think about though. That's available at this time as you're building the NWO. Sid, did, you know, Sid vicious, Sid justice, whatever he was going by at the time, but man, he was, I would say he's considered to be a big time star. He had been a, a champion for the WWF. Uh, and it's interesting to hear that he's on the sidelines. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know what his contract, he may have been on the sidelines, but unable to compete, non-compete clause or whatever. And I don't know, maybe that wasn't the case, but I, I don't think that Sid would have been a great fit for NWL. And, uh, you know, and I'm glad that you said that. We had another question from Corey Illingsworth, and he said, do you think there was anyone else, and this is kind of piggybacks off that, at this time, either in the WCW or WWF, who could have made a bigger impact than Hogan did by turning heel in 96. Absolutely not. Nobody in the industry, nobody that had been born in time to be old enough to wrestle would have been any better than Hogan. It just couldn't have, you know, you're looking at a guy who for all intents and purposes had spent the last 10 or 15 years making history as you know, that red and yellow. He was on the cover of sports illustrated. He was everywhere. Hulk yeah. Hogan was, you know, he was wrestling. He was it. And as, as a baby face and even with the, uh, you know, the, the, the speed bump with the whole steroid steroid trial and then, you know, negative publicity fallout from all of it, not just about Hogan, but all of it. Um, yeah. There was a little bit of a nick in his armor, but as far as churning heel, uh, no, you couldn't have picked anybody better. Francis Reyes would ask, as this match continues, by the way, it is a, it is a classic Chris Benoit Guerrero match. He said, when, when did you think WWE started to notice the NWO was starting to be a big deal? When do you think they finally realized like, wow, this is, this is going to be big for them? Well, I mean, it, it, it I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I would guess that when the ratings started coming in and they were getting their asses handed to them. That was the first clue. week. <laughs> It might have been somebody might have gone, huh? She's working. What we got we a problem. Do? Yeah. What are we going to do about this? And by the way, eventually they did. It took them a year, almost a year. And they kind of changed direction and went from the little, um, you know, the, 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 the creative approach, which was really a teen and preteen kind of animated, cartoonish wrestling stories and wrestling characters to the attitude era as a result of what you're seeing right now. So I would imagine it happened, you know, over a period of weeks or months as the ratings consistently, 
you know, the first couple of weeks you go, yeah, but this happened. You start making excuses. Yeah. Well, we could have done a better show. Yeah. Well, this was going on. And then after about a month or two or three months, you go, all right, now we got to circle the wagons and figure this crap out. So. I love, I, I love here as I'm watching this match and uh, Dean Malenko is running down. These fans are literally just standing. There's no guardrail. I mean, this guy in the blue shirt and the cutoff jean shorts, he looks like, I mean, he's standing right beside the wrestlers. There's no barricade. There's nothing going on here. This is just real old school wrestling action where the fans can literally breathe on the wrestlers. Yeah. Well, what this really was is me minding my budget. <laughs> you just didn't want to hire security. I love it. Real quick, I got to do. I got to do an ask, Eric. Paul Bromwell, ask Eric. You ready for this one? I'm ready. Fire away. Was there ever a point in time you've worked with Vince on and off throughout the years where you guys sat down, maybe casually, casual conversation with Vince, where the NWO creation storyline coming together, any of that was ever discussed by the two of you and how it all worked? Doing that, I have never had that kind of conversation um, with Vince. Ever, you know, and obviously I worked there from whatever it was, 2002 to 2006 or seven or whatever that was, four or five years uh, working with Vince pretty closely, working with Vince creatively or in the ring, I should say, not creatively, but in the ring. Um, never had that conversation then and never had it while I was uh, there briefly as an executive. It's unfortunate. Because yeah. I think had, had Vince and I had an opportunity because, you know, and I've, I've said this before. I want to make sure for what's his name, um, the dumb shit, that I'm really clear about this. Um, I I take full responsibility for my most recent association with WWE not working out. It was my inability to adapt to their culture. There are many WWEs to Vince's personality and culture and the way he wanted things done. I just, I didn't read him well. I didn't read the situation well. And I never really felt like I was in my groove when I was in WWE. But guess whose fault that is? That's my fault. You take an accountability. Somebody hires you. They write you a check. That's right. For a lot of money, it's incumbent upon you as the person coming in to figure your shit out and figure out how to adapt and contribute. I never did. I just couldn't get my, my, I just couldn't get the vibe. Um, but I think had Vince and I had an opportunity to go out for dinner or to get away from, you know, a production meeting or even in the office and just kind of sync up a little bit, things may have turned out better. Maybe not. Maybe not at all. Maybe we would have killed each other over dinner. I don't know. But I would have liked to have that opportunity. That Those are some of the conversations that probably will never happen, Eric, but that as fans to hear Vince and Eric discuss together the evolution and then what he did as a attitude era thought off of that. I mean, that is just, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be a great interview for Peacock? Can mm. you imagine dinner for two? Mm. And I mean, honestly, WWE stock price would skyrocket just off the trailer just produce a two minute trailer or a one minute trailer stock price would go through the roof. Telling you, you could having Vince and you sit down, maybe talk about the old days and what you were doing with Vern and what Vince was thinking, or then the transition to WCW, what was Vince thinking? And then when you did, Oh my goodness, that would be gold. It would be. 
It'll never happen. It won't, but all right, we can dream. So we uh, we wrapped up the other the match there with Benoit and uh, Eddie Guerrero. Dean Malenko would help Eddie Guerrero out. Gets the win over Benoit to continue the push for Malenko versus Benoit at Hog Wild. Meltzer would give that match three and a half stars. And uh, we're moving on now, Eric. It's time for the TV main event. We had Big Bubba come out and do a little bit of talking. Lex Luger acts like he's hurt. Uh, it's kind of forgotten, by the way. He's the TV champion in this era. And uh, we're moving on to the main event. Ooh, the anticipation. You'd have Jimmy Hart out once again. Jimmy Hart is all over this. Uh, it's unbelievable. I never mentioned it, realized it until you brought it to my attention. He literally is. I think he's in at least every segment throughout the show. At least one. He's not in every segment. He's in almost every segment. And by the way, that happened consistently. And guess whose fault that is, by the way? That was me. That was an Eric Bischoff decision. I, I, I let that happen. I, I, you know, I want to kick myself in the balls every time I see it. I go, God, why didn't I? Why didn't I figure that out? Why did I allow that to happen? But yeah, Jimmy would come out and, and when Jimmy's out there, he's going to eat that camera. He's You're going to see Jimmy Hart a lot because he knew how to do it. He knew how to kill, keep And I'm joking here because I love Jimmy Hart and he's a great guy and he's contributed so much to the business over the decades. But Jimmy Hart, much like Jeff Jarrett, mm. It's that old school, keep yourself over, kid. You see a red light, fight for it, kid. That's that's the way Jimmy Hart grew up, and he got great at it. And has survived as long as he had. I think he's in his mid-70s, for crying Unbelievable. out loud. Unbelievable. And he's still making money out doing personal appearances and signing autographs. So good for Jimmy. He still has the same haircut and same hair color. Good for him in the 70s, man. Looking good. Oh, no shit. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna throw a flag on a hair color, but whatever. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's one thing you knew when to let it go, Eric, and you did let it go, man. Totally changed. But you know, and for for me, I I laugh about this, but like even to this day, I was so self conscious when I used to have to dye my hair black. And you know, keep in mind, I've been dyeing my hair since I was in my mid thirties, because mm. I started turning gray in my twenties. At first, it was not a big deal. Then eventually, it was like, oh, my God, I got to do something about this. And and certainly when I made it to television, you know, I started dyeing my hair. But I got so self-conscious about it that, you know, I started looking at other, you know, other men I'd see from a distance that were about my age. You go, oh, he dyes his hair. Yeah. Oh, that guy over there. And it got to the point where I could spot people at 100 yards away before I had to get glasses. I'd see people 100 yards away. Oh, bad Elvis hair is what I used to call it. Bad Elvis hair. You know, because it just didn't yeah, look that real. just for men. Yeah. And I got so tired of it that I just said, fuck it. I, I look stupid with this jet black hair. It just doesn't look real anymore. So, but you're one of those guys that has been able to pull it off, man. You have that distinguished look now that all the ladies love. So you really, I've been feel- loving it for a long time, by the way. It's not. <laughs> it's, listen, at least you didn't have hair bail out on you. You still have yeah, that's hair. That's true. That's true. So I don't want to hear any complaints. Salt and pepper. All pepper, all salt. Eric Bischoff's been rocking it since day one, and the ladies aren't complaining. Why adfreeshows.com? It's simple. It's early and ad-free. Why wait for your favorite shows to drop when you can listen as soon as they stop recording? There's no need to wait. 
You can access it all before anyone else can. Plus, no ads. No one telling you what to bundle or how to keep that man part standing tall. None of that. It's just straight content from all your favorite hosts, including Jeff Jarrett, Eric Bischoff, Kurt Angle, and the rest of the team. That's not all. You also get immediate access to watching their reactions live on video as well. So don't put it off any longer. Do it now. You won't be disappointed. Start enjoying all the podcasts you love early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com. Pardon the interruption, but I wanted to tell you real quickly about two of the best ways to support 83 Weeks. One is to pick up a shirt from ericbischoff.com. Another is to grab a gimmick from boxagimmicks.com. It's the official store of 83 Weeks. Not only does this support the show financially, but you get to show off your fandom to others, helping spread the word about one of the best podcasts around. So check out ericbischoff.com and boxagimmicks.com. And thank you for listening to 83 Weeks. So listen, this is the big one. We got, it's Bubba, it's Lex Luger, and it's a, you know, fine match here, but this isn't what really how the show is going to wrap up soon. You have Heenan on the mic discussing the NWO and what's going to happen. Uh, you have, uh, you know, yourself, you're, you're on the call as well, and we're just waiting. And oh, by the way, here we are one hour, 19 minutes, 26 seconds, and the limo has arrived. Paul and Nash have made their way out of the car. And the, uh, it's uh, it's about to go down here in Disney. Now, here's what's cool. I could because I love I love reacting to these things when I see them the first time. I don't want to try to react to something that I've already seen because it's not a real reaction. So um, I'm not sure what's happening next. I honestly don't I love remember. It. I'm so, glad that you don't because this is all fresh. This will all be fresh then. I mean, I think that. I know, I think I have an idea because I remember what happened at Disney, but I don't know if it was on this show or not. So I'm, don't tell me, don't give me any hints. I won't. I'm, 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 I'm going to lay out. I love the anticipation. I'm getting all tingly here. Ah, tingly, Eric. I'm getting tingly. So were you guys, we had another question while we're kind of getting through this match till we get to the big angle. Matt Thomas would say, ask Eric, were you prepared for the potential of more trash being thrown in the ring? Like at Bash at the Beach? Or did you think that was just a one-off thing? I didn't know. I, I, I didn't know if it would be, I certainly wasn't worried about it at Disney. You know, yeah. who's going to, who's going to throw, throw Mickey, Mouse, Mickey cups Mouse souvenir <laughs> cups in the ring? You know, I wasn't worried about it at Disney because this wasn't really uh, a rabid. This wasn't a wrestling audience. Yeah. This was families that are at universal or excuse me, Disney MGM studios who heard there's going to be a live television taping for wrestling and wanted to go. These are not people that typically would have purchased a ticket. Those were the ones that were hot enough to throw shit, not at Disney. Um, but I, I hadn't really thought about whether it was going to continue or not. I think my instinct told me it was probably just a one-off deal because people were obviously reacted to Hogan turning and probably won't see that again. But little did I know it would become a thing. I know you talk it was about a fun thing too. I, I kind of, I know we didn't encourage it, but I got to tell you, I smiled every time it happened. The only time I didn't smile, the worst thing that ever happened to me that I was in a ring. I think I was interviewing Hulk or Kevin or somebody and somebody hit me in the head with a paper cup, which mm. is not unusual. I've been hit with paper cups, Pepsi and beer and eh, no big deal. Right. Get to, the, get to the hotel, take a shower, head down to the bar. All good. This guy hit me with a, 
a 12 ounce cup. It was half filled with tobacco spit. And I didn't know it right away. It just hit me in the back of the head. And it took a second for that God awful smell, a tobacco spit to waft up into my right nostril. And I just about gagged on TV. It was freaking horrible, horrible. That was, and that's the only time I ever got hot about people throwing stuff in the ring. I was going to ask while you were talking about that, because I'm sure, did it happen at house shows too, where stuff would get thrown at you guys? Well, I didn't do house shows, brother. Can't make that, brother. I mean, as a president of the well, company, brother. Well, I'm just more curious. The reason I ask is, was there ever any kind of a horror story uh, from one of the wrestlers, whether it was you or someone at a house show or something on TV where they got hit with something and it did some real damage during this era? No, I, I don't remember hearing about that kind of reaction at house shows. It, okay. it may have happened, but certainly on a smaller scale. I do remember, you know, television tapings or live TVs that I was a part of. There were two incidents that I remember in particular, separate incidents, but two of them. One, uh, I didn't realize it when it happened, but shortly after it happened, there was a few people way up in the cheap seats throwing D-cell batteries. Now, that's heavy and they're hard. And you waff, you throw those things you know, hard enough to make it from the cheap seats into the ring. It's got some velocity out of it. Had that hit you know, somebody in the ring or, or just as bad, maybe worse, hit some fan sitting down at ringside that could have been a serious injury. So that, that is when I started thinking about what we do about that problem. And the other one, a similar one, and this happened to me, I was coming, I was making my entrance. I think we were in New Jersey, uh, big, big live show nitro. And as I'm walking out with Hogan, um, I see out of the corner of my right eye, I see something coming at us. And I was walking ahead of Hogan because I always did my thing. You know, I'd bend down and, you know, bow to him and all that. I was walking ahead of him and out of the corner of my right eye, I see something coming at us, but I couldn't tell what it was. And I didn't want to sell it and go, oh, what's that? So yeah. I'm looking at it out of the corner of my eyes. I'm making my entrance and I realize it's a beer bottle. And I kind of, I took a step back and kind of reached back for Hulk to make sure he didn't walk into it. And it was a full beer bottle with the cap on till it hit the ground and it exploded when it hit the ground. Mm. And that's, that was kind of like, okay, we got to X and A this and uh, start figuring out a way to prevent it. Cause it was starting to get pretty dangerous. Yeah. That's, that's scary when you don't know what's coming at you. So here we are, Eric, it's one twenty four forty one seconds. We just see Nash lay the old jackknife power bomb, the Luger. Scott Hall's in the ring. Nash is in the ring. The destruction is occurring. Hogan has made his way into the ring as well. Now, look, look what's this is so interesting. I love to watch the crowd on this stuff because, you know, trying to get a read for what the crowd mm. was thinking. Look at this. Hogan's just slapping Lex Luger all over. And what are the fans doing? They're cheering. They're cheering him on. Yes. What are you thinking right now if you're a baby face in the locker room? <laughs> In WCW. Right. Oh, man, this isn't What good. are you thinking? Wait a minute. I've been wrestling for five years, 10 years, 15 yeah. years, 20 years. And all of a sudden, the heels are getting cheered. Now what do I do? Hogan in all black with the, the belt. But again, the beard hasn't been uh, hasn't been colored. Speaking of hair coloring yet, black. But man, it's, it's the new world order, brother. Look at it. And, you know, two weeks before, there were little kids at the ringside. And again, this is the difference yeah. between, we'll call it a peripheral wrestling fan audience and a real fan audience. Um, you've got little kids here cheering. 
Everybody's on their feet. You know, at Best of the Beach, you had little kids crying. (laughs) You had adults crying. You had adult men just so pissed off. They wanted to beat somebody. And here you've got everybody's cheering everybody on. They love Holland, Ash, and Hogan here. What an interesting time. Our buddy with the Rod Woodson jersey there, cheering it all on, Nash and Hall, arms raised. The, you're right. The, everybody's on their feet. Look, arms are up, and the entire crowd is cheering hard for these guys. You are absolutely nailed it in terms of the baby faces in the back. Like, what the hell is happening? This is, this is game-changing. We're going to play a little bit of this Hogan promo, if that's okay with you. Here comes hey, Mean Gene. Have at it, man. Yeah, Mean Gene's making his way into the ring, and... uh this is big time here. So let's go ahead and we're going to kick it over to Mean Gene with Hulk Hogan for one of the most iconic promos in Nitro history. Thank you, Gino. Uh, I thank you, Eric and Bobby, Hulk Hogan, outsiders. You have led us down the Primrose path. Well, you know something, Gino. I wish I would have done this two years ago, brother, because the new world order is taking over professional wrestling. Hulk Hogan is bigger than the sport of professional wrestling. And with the outsiders, the new blood, the foundation of the new world order, we shall rule the wrestling world, me, Gene. What about the children? You know about the thousands and thousands of telephone calls that came in to WCW. Every man, woman, and child on the face of the earth is totally disgusted with you, Hulk Hogan, including myself. Except for the ones we all that ringside. know about the training, the <laughs> prayers, and the vitamins, brother. And like I said, these people out here, after I led their children down the right path, then we got some nutty the pool fans that are hot. To Hulk Hogan. One more time, you fans can stick it, brother. Wait a minute. I think Sting and Eric Bischoff brought it up earlier on. I think Sting said it best when he retorted that Hulk Hogan, you can stick it. Well, you know something, brother? As far as people like Sting go, 10 years ago, when I shook his hand in Venice Beach, he was a skinny little bodybuilder. And when he laid his eyes on Hulk Hogan, he was shaking in his boots. I heard all the crying from the so-called macho man. For three years, he blamed his divorce. The fact that he couldn't rise to the occasion on Hulk Hogan, brother. And over and over and over and over again, this past week, I've heard the whole WCW blame Hulk Hogan for their problems. The only problem is, I'm the greatest wrestler in the world. I made professional wrestling. I will always be bigger than wrestling. And with these two friends of mine, the new world order shall rule the wrestling world. This could see these guys, friends. (laughs) You know about this man's background and this man's background. And look what they've done. This NWO. Where is it going to go? Who is going to be part of it? I think that's the question we're all asking ourselves, and I'm going to ask you. Well, these are the renegades, brother. These are the men that when I opened the door, brother, they had the guts enough to walk through it. These are the guys that are going to set the trend for the 90s. 
that will lead Hulk Hogan in professional wrestling. Well, buddy, they did. They set the trend. How fun was it to hear this promo all over again? You know, it's fun, but I'm shocked here. I told you I didn't watch this before we covered it, right? Because yeah. I don't like doing that. And I just, about three minutes ago, said, oh, I wasn't worried about fans at Disney I know. stuff in the ring. And the ring is filled with garbage. It's garbage everywhere. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, we were cracking on Disney cups. And here comes all the, the water bottles and soda bottles. Yeah, says, Look at that. They're just throwing stuff <laughs> in the ring. Those Winnie the Pooh fans, though, they get hot. And don't piss off them ER fans. They're going to come well, at you, buddy. Got, and, and, and clearly all of that, just <laughs> the lady in the, the purple the pants hasn't started, stopped putting her thumbs down for about 10 minutes straight, man. Well, you know what I think happened here is a lot of these fans again, where, you know, they probably the vast majority of them didn't see bash at the beach. Yeah. Right. Maybe a few of them did. Who knows? 5%, 10%, 20%, maybe. Um, so these fans who see Hulk Hogan come out, they're thinking Hulk Hogan, baby face Hulk Hogan. Yes. You're, that's a great so point. They're cheering him on because they don't know who's a heel and who's a baby face. They assume it's Hulk Hogan. Okay. He's they a baby face. Not been paying and then they hear this promo when it's kind of like, fuck you, Hogan. When he said, even the fat lady, the purple pants is pissed now. And the Winnie the Pooh fans are pissed off. Everybody's Grimace. pissed off because they heard the promo. It's awesome. When he said about Savage, I was like, oh, shit. You know, blaming your divorce on me. I mean, that's when the heat starts really coming, raining down. And, uh, man, you're look at all that Disney, all that concession garbage. It's all, you know, safe plastic bottles. None of them are filled. I see no tobacco spit. I see no beer bottles. I see no D-sized batteries. Just a whole lot of styrofoam and plastic in there. And, and the NWO doing what they should do and, and keeping a clean environment. I tell you, all that crap out of the ring. I tell you what, though, Gene Okerlund, as he make his, his exit, he could not have been a fan of wanting to do these in-ring, in-ring interviews with NWO during this time. Oh, and now we're still watching it. See, I didn't know. Now we got yeah. WCW coming out. It's kind of like, hey, you guys, this is our turf. This yeah. is a little bit of, this is a wrestling version of West Side Story. Starting right here. We got Steiners, the Faces of Fear, Ming and Barbarian. You have Arn Anderson. And by the way, Arn just faced Ming here, and uh, but Barbarian cheated to help him win. But yet here they are out next to each other. Oh man, it's uh, it's it's un- it's a time unlike any other in wrestling at this point, where guys that just fought each other are now standing shoulder to shoulder because the NWO it's the is old that saying, big. Hey, hey, Paul, it's the old saying: the enemy of the en- of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Mm. That's exactly what this is. This is classic. Greek mythology manifesting in the world of sports entertainment in a way that up until this point had never been done. Eric, boom, Eric, boom baby. Listen, this show gets a 3.5 with a 6.3 share while raw got a 2.5 and a 4.1 share. Is Take this, that, bitches. is this the sign to you, brother? That there was a whole rating point more than the established leader of sports entertainment. When you talk about yeah. signs, here it is. Yeah, that was it. Was a good night. It was a good night. We were we were just beginning to go on a nice roll, and this was uh, it was a good night. We were happy when those numbers came in. Ted Ted Turner gave me a call. Lasted oh, about awesome. forty five seconds, but he was happy as could be. Well, we had the heel turn, bash at the beach. You have the nitros. Uh, then it's going to be on to Hog Wild for the world title win over the Giant. 
Is was that the goal? Was that the plan? Once we turn them, we're going to make them champion uh, as quickly as we can. Moving into the next pay per view. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I don't mean to. I don't mean to 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 not sound like I care, but uh, it's hard for me to remember. That's all. It's know. all good. That's what happened, and that was the story that was written. He would get that belt, spray paint it that night, and the rest, my friend, is history. Eric, I had a lot of fun with this. Thanks for letting me uh, join you for this edition of 83 Weeks for this watch-along. You're the best, Paulie. Thank you for stepping in for the big C, the pod father, who I'm sure will be back next week. And uh, thanks again for doing the radio show last night. And I look forward to talking to you again, bud. Listen, more big episodes on the way as you guys continue your journey through 1996. Ask Eric Anything is on the way. And I would venture to say you guys aren't done with the fun surprises as we move through the summer, Eric, I have one clip left that I'm going to play for you this week. And, uh, we'll see if you want to make any comment about it. Here we go. But listen, if you think you can phone a friend and maybe snag a big fish, you know, we just got Scott Hall. He was our medium surprise. We'll think you get the, the big bang on the phone. I think that would be uh, that'd be pretty fun here for 83 weeks. It's a challenge that I will accept. I, I can't promise anything, but I will accept the challenge. So listen, there it is, guys. He's accepted that challenge on last week's show. Stay tuned. You never know what could happen. Right, Eric and Wrestling? Never say never. Never say never. Guys, that's going to wrap us up this week. Remember, if you need more Eric in your life, just aren't getting enough of that Bischoff fix. You can find a ton of bonus content over at adfreeshows.com. But for now, we appreciate you listening, and we will be back next week for another 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff. Okay, if you've listened to this show for very long, by now you know what you're thinking. I hate Steven Singer, too. And you're darn right you do, because we've told you loudly and proudly that he is one of our favorite people to do business with, and he's going to be yours, too. But unfortunately, he eliminates all of the excuses. Here's what I mean. Finding that person you want to spend the rest of your life with is great. But man, do we hate all the pressure of what's next. Of course, there's all the engagement talk, but then there's the pressure from actually shopping for a ring, hassle, haggling, finding a store to trust, trying to figure out what the heck the four C's are, discounts, sales, coupons, styles, and all the other nonsense. It's overwhelming, but at least those are all fantastic reasons to put off getting engaged. That's why Skies really hate Steven Singer. He takes away every excuse in the book for not buying the ring, and he makes it so easy. I hate Steven Singer. Steven Singer is a Philly jeweler and icon that's been making it too easy to buy real diamonds for over four decades. He specializes in diamond engagement rings and has a staff of real experts, real jewelers, real people that are ready to help you find the perfect ring or gift at the perfect price. No call center, no sales, no haggling, no codes or discounts, just the best possible price guaranteeing the best value every single day. Check Steven out at the other corner of eighth and Walnut and Philly or online at I hate always with fast and free shipping. That's I hate what if you could pay off all your credit card debt, a home equity line of credit, and knock eight years off of your loan? It sounds too good to be true, but Save with Conrad can do it for you. Seriously, that's an actual story from someone who listens to this podcast just like you. If you have a home equity line of credit, if you're in a 30-year loan, or you've got credit card debt, 
It's not a matter of if we can save you money. It's a matter of how much. Just ask Selby in North Carolina. We hooked them up. They left us a five-star review and had this to say. Jimmy and Jennifer were great to work with. We knocked eight years off our mortgage and paid off our home equity loan and credit cards. Would recommend them to everyone. And right now, we can help more families than ever before. We're licensed in more than 40 states. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. Seriously, the worst case scenario is you spend 10 minutes and we give you the peace of mind that you've got the best deal for your family. That's what my family wants to do for you right now over at SaveWithConrad.com. But what if we could knock eight years off your loan? Think about that. You know to the penny what your house payment is. Now multiply it by 12 payments a year times eight years. That's our gargantuan sum of money. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. That's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Find out how you can do it right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on a sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.